uh, my best friend. And um, as I prepared this message this week uh, about love, every time I get a glimpse of Jesus, I get a glimpse of Janet. Jesus and Janet. Jesus and Janet. Amen. And then uh, every now and then all of y'all would kind of squeeze in there. Amen. But I love y'all too. And you may remember I've been preaching on love for quite a while now. And uh, last week uh, I began to share with you how the Apostle Paul uh, was writing to Timothy and he was regarding a writing regarding the main thing in the Christian walk. And he said that the purpose, the goal, if you will, uh, the objective, the main thing about this book, the main thing about the commandment of God is love. He said it's love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. Do you, friend, do you have a love for people that goes beyond appearances? Before you answer yourself, I want you to think about that question. Do you have a love for people that goes beyond appearances? Do you have a love that prevails despite the flaws in other people? Do you have a love for people, a love for others that persists regardless of how they treat you? Jesus did. Jesus had a love for people that went way beyond how they looked. It went way beyond all their flaws. The love that Jesus had for people was prevalent regardless of how they treated him. You may know this, but and it's probably an understatement that lasting relationships with people can be tough sometimes. Amen? Man, it's, it's tough to have a lasting relationship with your family, much less with other people. So that being said, how are we as Christians to maintain a love for people the way God expects from us? How do we do that? I mean, there's all kinds of love. There's love for food. Can I get a testimony there? <laughs> Amen. Love for food, friend. There's a love for jobs. There's a love for one's hobby. A love for sports here on Super Bowl Sunday. Some people will sacrifice everything to be in front of that TV to watch that game today. There's a love for possessions and a love of money. There's a love for the way that something makes you feel. All kinds of love. But what kind of love is required to have relationships that thrive and grow? Well, of course, our go-to is the scriptures. And see, you might say, well, Brother Bill, what does the Bible say about that? I'm going to share that with you here shortly. But first, I want to share with you 
the four kinds of love that the Bible talks about when it comes to relating to other people. First of all, there is the Greek word eros. Eros is where we get our word erotic. And that's that sensual kind of love that makes your heart skip a beat. Amen? There is the Greek word phileo. That's where we get our word philanthropy. And that's the kind of love that friends have for one another. There's the Greek word sergazi. And that's a family love. That's the kind of love that we have for our family members. But then there is what's called agape love. That's the God kind of love that is self-giving. It's self-sacrificing. It's a love that looks beyond the faults of the recipient. And that, friend, that type of love above all others is what you and I need to grow in, what you and I need to develop if we're going to have love in our relationships like God expects his children to have. So how? How do you develop? How do you nurture? How do I keep God's agape love in all of my relationships. Well, if you would, turn to 1 John. You can go to Revelation in the back of the Bible and take a left, amen, and you're not going to be far. Uh, it's on page 1084, and because the word love is so misused in our culture, we need to understand love differently than the world understands love. We need to understand this agape love. And so that being the case, I'm going to substitute that word love that we find in this passage with its original Greek form in which the Bible was written, that word agape. Every word in this passage that says love refers to agape love, God's kind of love. Not eros, not phileo, and not sergazi, but agape. So let me share this with you. And again, I'm going to substitute that Greek word agape for love. Beloved, let us agape one another. That sounds really good, don't it? Let us agape one another. For agape is of God. And everyone who agapes is born of God and knows God. He who does not agape does not know God. For God is agape. In this, the agape of God was manifest toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is agape. Not that we agaped God, but that he agaped us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation, that is, the payment that satisfies our sin question. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so agaped us, we also ought to agape one another. No one has ever seen God at any time. If we agape one another, God abides in us, and his agape has been perfected in 
us. So the first choice that you got to make, and love is a choice, amen? Love is a choice. It's not just an emotion. It's not just a sentiment. Love, especially agape love, is a choice. So the first choice that we must make if we're going to experience God's agape love in our relationships is, first of all, we've got to receive God's love. Look again there in verse 9. Going to go back to the word love. In this is the love of God was manifest toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the payment that satisfies the propitiation for our sins. Men, listen up. Men, I am convinced that you really cannot know how to love your wife until you have accepted God's love yourself. Women, you cannot truly love your husband until you have truly received the love God has toward you. Likewise, before we as Christians can exhibit Agape love in any relationship, we must accept for ourselves the greatest love of all. That is the love of God. We need to understand that God's love has been demonstrated to us and that while we were still wretched sinners, God's son Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross for us. But you know, one of the greatest setbacks in relationships is when one or the other in a relationship does not have this abiding relationship with God, or they are simply not putting God first in their life. If only one's doing it, the relationship ain't never going to work. Both need to have that abiding relationship with God and put God first. Receiving Christ and living for Christ will open up your heart to a whole new way of loving other people. Understanding the love God has for you and the love that God has for others will give you a desire to love them as God loves them. That's his desire, no matter what their flaws may be. You see, once you and I have received the greatest love of all, we have an example to follow. Once we have been persuaded that God truly loves us, then we can model that love for one another and with other people. I love how the New Living Translation translates Romans chapter 8, verse 38. It's where Paul says this. He says, I'm convinced... I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Death can't. Life can't. Angels can't. Demons can't. The fears for today can't. And the worries for tomorrow can't. The powers of hell can't separate us from the love of God. 
whether you're high above the earth or down in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that has been revealed in Jesus Christ. Say nothing. Nothing can separate you. And when you realize that and you receive that, you're going to see your relationships blossom. Your relationships are going to get better and stronger. You're going to be growing in your relationships. Why? Because you have, you have found out that you are the beneficiary of the greatest love of all, the love of God. So for relationships with others to succeed long term, we can all have acquaintances, but if you want a relationship to succeed long term, not only must you receive God's love, you must also choose, because love is a choice, you must also choose to reciprocate God's love. Amen? Listen to verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You see, that which we perceive here and receive here, God calls us to share with other people. That is the love of God. And we must remember, since God Almighty loves you with all his heart, he also loves them with all his heart. And therefore, the Bible says that we must love them too with all of our heart, no matter what. No matter what. In John chapter 7, or chapter 4, 1 John 4, 7, John delivers to us what is basically a God-given mandate to exhibit the love of God to other people. That means not only do we declare our love, we also demonstrate it. Not only do we say it, but we also show it. Not only do we explain it, but we also exhibit it by the way we live. God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad that God went the extra mile, that he went out of his way to prove his love for you? Why did he do that? Because, friends, words are cheap. Words are cheap. I mean, if you want me to believe that you love me, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to prove it. Amen? And you do regularly. But we have a responsibility to demonstrate agape love, to demonstrate love to other people. Agape love, God's kind of love is revealed even when they're completely undeserved. Agape love is revealed even when it's completely unmerited. Agape love is revealed even when it's completely unreciprocated. God's agape love is revealed even when it's completely unappreciated. It still continues on. I am so glad that in my life, God did not wait for me to be warranting his love before he loved me. It never would happen. God loves us even when we don't deserve it. God loves us 
even when we don't return it. God loves us even when we do not appreciate it. And listen carefully, church. He calls us to do the same. He calls us to do the same. And if he calls us to do it, that means we'll have the ability to do it. Amen? All right, you have the ability. Amen? Agape love, God's kind of love, it enables us to experience a persistent love for people that rise above when they fail you. Agape love will enable you to have that love for people that will rise above when people cause difficulties in your life. You'll still love them. It allows you to rise above the trials that other people cause in your life. It will help you and cause you to love despite the disappointments they cause in your life. It will help you to rise above even when they betray you. Do you think that Jesus still loved Judas after he was betrayed? He sure did. Why? Because agape love loves despite the false. Was he disappointed? Yeah. But you know what? If he was angry with him or hated him, he could have struck him down the minute he did it. The minute he kissed him, he could have struck Judas down. But he gave him an opportunity to turn away, to repent of sin. But he did not do it before committing suicide. But Jesus loved even Judas. So the key to healthy relationships with other people is that first you've got to receive God's love for yourself. Secondly, you have to reciprocate God's love. You've got to love him back. And you've got to love others the way he has told you to love. But then you must also choose because agape love chooses to love. You must choose to imitate God's love. Look in verse 10. In this is love. In other words, here's love for you. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent his son to pay for sins that he did not deserve. The agape love that I've been talking about this morning is not self-seeking. The agape love I'm talking about this morning, it ain't about you. It's only about you uh, as, a, as the recipient of God's love. But if you're trying to give away agape love, it's just not about you. It's not self-seeking. I mean, consider this. If agape was self-centered, Jesus would have avoided that. If agape love was self-absorbed, Jesus would have just simply left you in your sins with no hope of forgiveness, with no hope of a relationship with God, with no hope of heaven. But he didn't do that. Agape love. In fact, you know, the, the only way that agape love functions properly is through self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. Agape love is not a feeling. It's a response to a need. Agape love is not an emotion. It is evidence of love. It's not a mood. It's a choice. Agape love is not a sentiment. It is the act 
of the will. And agape love is demonstrated towards somebody else, and it forgets self. And this is the love that God calls you and I as children of God, as servants of the Most High, to imitate. You know, one verse of Scripture that I often point out in premarital counseling is Ephesians 5.25. And that verse says this, Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, and the word is agape, your wives. Just as Christ also agape the church and gave himself for her. So, are you hearing the will of Jesus Christ here? He gave himself for her. Are you hearing the response that Jesus had for our greatest need? He gave himself for her. Are you hearing here the choice that Jesus made? He gave himself for her. Self-sacrifice. I'm kind of a fan of the British monarchy. And I ran across a story that spoke about Princess Alice. Now, Princess Alice was the great-granddaughter of the infamous Queen Victoria of yesteryear. But Princess Alice is also the father of Prince Philip, who is married to the current Queen of England, Elizabeth. Maybe you've seen him. But in 1878, Alice had a son named Ernest. And young Ernest became critically ill with a disease called diphtheria. And the doctors warned Princess Alice, listen, don't you be kissing your boy. If you kiss your son, you'll be endangering yourself because you might breathe your son's breath. But there was once when Ernest was struggling to breathe that forgetting herself, Princess Alice took up her little boy in her arms to keep him from choking to death. And while he was gasping and struggling for his life, the little boy said, Mama, kiss me. And without a second thought, Alice tenderly kissed her son. Within days, she herself had contracted diphtheria, and it was only a few days later that she had gone to be with the Lord forever. But Ernest lived. You see, real love, agape love, forgets all about self. Agape love doesn't know no danger. Agape love is willing to risk it all. Agape love doesn't count the cost. Agape love is sacrificial, just like the love of God. And we're called to have that same kind of love for other people. So as we begin to imitate God's love, you'll find, you know what, people are going to respond to that. People are going to respond to the love of God one way or another. They're going to respond, but your relationships will go stronger when you're loving like God loves. And also, you will have a much greater influence over folks. So to ensure his relationship with us would endure, 
God loved us to the point of sacrifice. You've heard the verse. God so loved the world, he, he gave. And he gave and he gave and he gave some more because of his love for people. For his love for people. And guess what? He calls us to do the same thing. To imitate him in our love toward others. So to keep relationships growing and thriving, you've got to receive the love of God. You have to reciprocate the love of God, but you also must imitate the love of God. Finally, this morning, we learn that we must also choose because love is a choice. We must also choose to demonstrate God's love. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. There it is right there, y'all. That's your sermon in a verse. No one's ever seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. In other words, your love for other people is proof that you love God. And if you don't love others... Friend, don't come to me telling me you love God. Maybe you've heard about that couple. That couple that was married for about 15 years, but they had this ongoing problem. They could not stop arguing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Amen. Man, I'm glad to see no hands, praise God, especially from you men, Bubba. You? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know what? Uh, they had a problem with arguing, but they wanted their marriage to work out. And so, like all good husbands do, they went along with the wife's idea. Amen? And here's what they did. For one month, they agreed to have what was called a thought box. The husband had a thought box, and the wife had a thought box. And in that thought box... They would uh, let each other know about the daily irritations they had without arguing. So the wife was diligent in her thought box. She took slips of paper and she wrote stuff like, left the lid off the jelly jar, wet towels in the bathroom floor, socks not in the hamper, and on and on and on it went until the end of the month came. And they sat down to dinner and they decided they were going to exchange boxes. And so the wife gave the husband the box and she, he began to unfold the little slips of paper and, and reading and reflecting on all the irritations and all the things that he had done, done wrong that month. And then the wife opened her box. And she started reading her slips of paper. And on every slip of paper, it said, I love you. 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 See, agape love overlooks flaws. And if you're going to enjoy relationships in the marriage dynamic, or with other people, then you're going to have to love them no matter what. To enjoy relationships, 
that stand against the challenges of all the struggles we have. To enjoy relationships that keep loving despite all the setbacks. You got to demonstrate God's love for one another. Wedding vows often include this clause. You've heard it over and over again. I use it myself. And it kind of goes like this to having to hold for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish as long as you both shall live. Never really thought about it until this week, but I really believe that that's the way God wants us to love all people. Just love them no matter what. Just love them like God loves them. I mean, I think that's the way God loves me. No matter what place in life I am, he loves me and he loves you too. And you know, sometimes we as believers, we sometimes pay an all-consuming attention to our sin. We look at our sin and how we have to go back and continually ask for cleansing and uh, reviving and whatnot. And man, it just always seems like we never measure up. Is it just me? I mean, I'm never right, you know. It seems if at times, man, I, I'm just so unworthy. I'm so unworthy of God's love. And I know as a believer that, that when the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin, that, that I ought to confess it. That I ought to repent and turn away from it and go God's way. I know that. But I never feel like I'm worthy of God's love. Have you ever been convicted of the sin of doubting God's love for you? I sure have. Just this week, I have been grossly underestimating how much God loves me as his son. And I've learned that, that when the Holy Spirit convicts me of a sin, that that conviction ought not lead to self-disrespecting, self-defeating, self-deprecating shame... When I'm convicted, it should lead me to joy. Does that sound crazy? It should lead me to thankfulness to God who ransomed me through his incredible love for me. And all I can say when he convicts me of my sin is, thank you, Lord. I'm so glad I'm yours. See, I think there's a lot of Christians, maybe some of them that are here today, many Christians need to stop doubting God's love. And I think if you're anything like me this week, man, it's high time that you and I take God's love seriously. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, 
God loves you. He may not love what you're doing, but he loves you with all his heart. Do you remember what Jesus told Doubting Thomas? He said, stop doubting and believe. To which Thomas said, my Lord and my God. I hear you. My Lord and my God. What a transformation occurred there. Thomas's story turned from this, uh, this recording of doubt to a testimony, an incredible testimony of the unshakable love for God. An unshakable love that Jesus had for Thomas. Even when he was doubting. He came around. And so, despite the faults that we find in others and the faults we see in ourselves... We must endure with people in love just like Jesus endures with us in love. Demonstrating his love toward us, God continues to say to you today, I love you, I forgive you, and I want you. How do you know, Bill? Well, just consider all that Jesus did, all that he endured for me. Consider the beatings. Consider the shame. Consider the pain and the humiliation. Consider the suffering. Consider the death, even the death on a cross. And it was all to show you how much he loves you. Friend, I pray that you have received God's love into your life. And I pray that if you never have, today will be your day. This decision time will be your time. Or maybe if you doubted how much God loves you you'd let your decision time today be God's time and you'd receive his love. And if you have and you know it, you've received his love and you know it, you don't doubt it a bit, which that doesn't include a lot of us, I'm sorry, then you have a high calling from God. A high calling to reciprocate that love just like this. It's not from Brother Bill. It's a high calling from God to you. If you've received the love of God, then you have this high calling that includes imitating the love of God and also demonstrating God's love to people even when they don't deserve it. So maybe you need to receive God's love afresh this morning. Maybe you've been doubting how much he loves you. Why don't you take care of that today? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for loving us like you do. Lord, if we could just get an inkling, if we could just get a, uh, just a snapshot of how much you love us, we'd never doubt it again. And even when we fail you, Lord, we wouldn't 
get so down on ourselves and shame ourselves. Instead, it would lead us to joy and thankfulness that you have ransomed us because you love us like you do. Lord, my prayer is, is for that person that's here today, sitting in a pew today, that has doubted the love of God. Lord, maybe they're so burdened by a sin. They're so burdened about a failed relationship. They're so burdened about how they've been treating other people or how other people have been treating them. They just need to receive your love afresh. Lord, whatever the need is today, my prayer is that you would cause them to make a change today, to put a period at the end of the sentence, start a brand new paragraph, operating, functioning, and living in the agape love of God. In Jesus' name I pray it, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen.